0: KBTC, a viewer supported community service of Bates Technical College.
1: From KBTC Public Television Studios in Tacoma, Washington, it's the Northwest Now Podcast. Each week, we take a closer look at the people and issues that affect all of us here in Western Washington. So sit back, relax, and join the conversation with your host, Tom Layson.
0: People of a certain age have a mental image of the old-timey newspaper reporter and columnist. Ink and paper were the media, and breaking news would cause the boss to shout, Stop the presses. Boy, have things changed, and frankly, not for the better. Many newspapers are now little more than stripped-down blogs with nothing close to a full-time columnist on staff. But holdouts remain, and love them or not, the News Tribune's Matt Driscoll is one of the survivors, and he's our guest tonight on Northwest Now. We have done a number of programs over the years about struggling newspapers. The Associated Press reports that about one-third of the nation's newspapers have shut down since 2005, with about two-thirds of the nation's newspaper journalists having been shown the door. Here in the Pacific Northwest, there are a good number of new print-style media outlets that seem to be doing okay, serving niche subscriber bases and fundraising. But the number of printed, advertiser-supported daily papers is down to a handful, including the News Tribune, which is a little amazing considering the competition from the larger Seattle Times and a long period of money-losing ownership that in 2020 saw a bankrupt McClatchy company go under the control of a New Jersey-based hedge fund called Chatham Asset Management. While the TNT is a shell of its former self, at least the area between Seattle and Olympia isn't a so-called news desert, where there's no daily newspaper. Yes, a lot of the veteran staff departed over the years, but some still remain, including columnist Matt Driscoll, who's been writing all about Tacoma Pier since 2017. Matt, thanks so much for coming to Northwest Now. I read you all the time in the News Tribune. Glad to get you in here and get a few questions and and learn a little more about you. Start then with your your biography. Um, Where did you come up and talk a little bit about your career path?
1: Sure, well, you know, I don't wanna dive into uh, the the, the long narrative, but the short story is, uh, I'm a kid who grew up in Puyallup for the most part, Puyallup schools. went to college locally and figured out that I kind of wanted to write and then had to figure out a way to make some money doing that. So I had a little bit of an untraditional path, uh, going through a lot of alt press papers, covering music, arts and entertainment, that sort of thing. And um, one thing led to another. I became an editor of uh, the Weekly Volcano um, here, affiliated with the uh, Fort Lewis Ranger, and then um, went to Seattle Weekly. And then I've been at the News Tribune for about uh, almost nine years now. And so I've been a Tacoma guy this whole time. Um, and you know I really just consider myself uh, lucky to have a job writing about the community that I grew up in, the community I care about, the community that I feel like I, I know something about. Um, and, you know, to be able to put some shoes on my kids' feet while doing it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and I, and I it's unusual to be able to do this all in one market. You didn't go to Topeka and then up to, uh, you know, Billings and then come over. You did the whole thing locally.
1: Well, I mean, it's true. And I think if I had, uh, you know, been one of those kids with a uh, solid plan and, and, and forethought, maybe I would have gone the more traditional route. You know, I really just kind of fell into it. Like I said, I just wanted to figure out how to write. You know, I've got a lot of colleagues who, uh, you know, there's all sorts of reasons people get into journalism. Some people really love to break big stories. Some people love to uh, hold government accountable. All of it's very important. Um, My passion has always been kind of telling stories and people's stories and getting to do that in my hometown is just a thrill.
0: Ever had the idea of trying to get syndicated, going national or anything, or do you really see the hyper local piece as being where the opportunity lies?
1: You know. I mean, I got an ego like the next person, but I, what I would say is, the longer I do this, the more I appreciate um, the ability to do it here. And um, you know, I, it's not maybe I would enjoy a, a higher profile, but I think there's a lot to be said for building a, building a career and, and and building a body of work in a place that you know where it can resonate with people you know and, and making an impact there. So I.
0: I, the more, the longer I do this, the more I love it. You're coming out of the News Tribune feet first, in other words, right? That's what Yeah, you're, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someday. Yeah. Um, TNT has uh, turned the commenting off. And as a columnist, I'm sure that blowtorch has been turned toward you um, more than once. Um, talk a little bit about turning commenting off. A lot of newspapers have. How do you deal with the vitriol? And what's people's biggest gripe about you?
1: Wh- yeah, wow, that's a lot. Um, well... <laughs> And I I hope it doesn't blow the whole premise of the question, but I... I I think what's going on with the commenting right now is we're just in the process of, of, of switching our commentings. Believe it or not, there are services that do that. So I don't think it's some sort of a deliberate decision um, to, to just wholeheartedly to- turn commenting off forever. I think it's it has more to do with that. But that being said, this is something we grapple with all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, comment sections can be um, productive. They can be a, a way to have community engagement. They can also go really south really quickly. And so, you know, if we've got a sensitive story uh, or a story about a subject that we know is likely to uh, draw a lot of just unnecessary hate and hurt, then we will turn the comments off on some of those things. You know, in terms of the criticism I hear as a columnist, you know, I share my opinions about all sorts of things. Um, I think people tend to uh, attribute me with kind of a, a pro- the progressive vent and, you know, pro- particularly in, in the politics today. It's very hot. And so, you know, I think a lot of the, feed, the, the 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 wrath that I face has to do with kind of that partisan divide where...
0: Being a far out lefty. That's yeah, what you I mean, get I'm a, right. a commie pinko, I think, yeah. is, in, in, in a lot of people's minds. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, talk a little bit about your philosophy of column writing. Um, a lot of us in the media have done it, I've done it, but... You know, when you're spending 15 minutes on it, doing as an aside, it's observational. It's, you know, my dog's a great person, stuff like that. The best column writing, though, when you're doing it full time, is really combining journalism and the news flow and facts. And melding that with some good analysis and opinion that you have formed through that news gathering process. It's a hybrid almost as opposed to just sitting at your bar stool, um, giving your thoughts about a passing seagull. And a lot of columnists, you know, have, have, have done that in other large markets. But I think the best stuff combines those two. And I see you doing that. So you have this sort of. Uh, ethos and pathos, um, heart and mind um, balance taking place. How do, how do you approach that? How do you not let your heart dominate? How do you how do you balance that?
1: Sure. Uh, I mean, I think you're forgetting my great uh, seagull column of 2017. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, I mean, I think your analysis is, is spot on, Tom. I, the only thing I would, I guess, add to that is I try to do everything um, you just mentioned while... Um, Writing with a voice that, uh, that, that 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 people connect to, that has humanity, and more most importantly, has a connection to this place. I mean, I think that's what kind of makes the difference. Um, is not only not only am I writing about issues people care about. Um, things that affect them, offering analysis, doing the reportings, uh, you know, so it has journalistic integrity. But then I'm also writing about it from uh, from the perspective of someone that whether they know me in person or not, they feel like they know me because I'm from the same place that uh, we, we share the same experiences. And so I think that's a big part of it.
0: I know as newsrooms have shrunk and the News Tribune certainly has, you guys are, you know, pretty darn small now. The editor's role, and this is across media though, the editor's role has gone away. has gone away. A lot of reporters are going Straight, straight to the, straight to publishing without a guy with a green visor and a red pencil, <laughs> looking, looking at their work. Do you have an editor, or is that person purely regional, and you go straight to press? How do you handle that?
1: Yeah, um, well, I do have an editor, um, and it's a little bit of a. Unique situation. I'm a I'm the opinion page editor, so technically I am an editor. Exactly. And so yeah. I edit uh, the op-eds, uh, letters to the editors, those sorts of things. But for my own writing, uh, I mean, just in in terms of practice, I think it's a it's it's an essential part of the pra- part of the process. Editing uh, editing can be difficult, but. Um, you know, that's how...
0: But you run it some by somebody. Yeah, yeah. Somebody. yeah. And okay. I think
1: for the, for the most part, Tom, I mean, to, on, a, on a broad level, all of our reporters do aside from instances where it's breaking news. And a lot right. of times we'll have an editor go back and, and, I mean, all the time we'll have an editor go back and, and, and post something once it's up. But, you know, everything we publish still gets edited. Now we don't have a huge copy desk like we used to. Right. It could go on and so on. So you're about filling
0: in that role. People, you
1: know, the typos that slip in now and, yeah. and all those sorts of things. And I'm well aware of it. And, um, it, you know, it, it is difficult. Especially having, you know, I haven't been in the business forever, but long enough to remember how it used to be. I mean, yeah, it's uh, that can be challenging. But I think, by and large, um, we still we still hit the check the
0: boxes. Yeah, this is a little. There's an anecdote behind the scenes to this one, and that is, I think I somewhat disappointed one of your coworkers once. Caught me during a bad week. And uh, just kind of the cynical Tom came out talking to a class of you know wannabe journalists, and um, but I still struggle with it. You know, young kids who want to be in television and come up and and be in industries that are that are in deep trouble, and newspapering most certainly is when you look industry wide. What do you tell young people? What's your what's your guidance going forward? And they say, Matt, I want to I want to work on a newspaper and maybe write a column someday.
1: Yeah, I mean. First and foremost, bless their hearts. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I understand where that cynicism is coming from, but I also think that those are the kind of uh, those are the kind of desires and passions that have have led me and the the decisions that I've made. And, and you know, objectively speaking, I'm sure a lot of people along the lines would have said, you know, you're not making great career decisions. But I, you know, I firmly believe that it's important to follow your passion and your calling and to not be uh, pers- you know dissuaded by um, Challenges, you know. At the same time, you're right. It's it's a very difficult uh, industry right now. Uh, You have to want it. It can't be, um, you know. You can't be looking for uh, riches or nine to five. Or can you be looking for a living? Well, I I, yeah. I mean, it's not the, the living you make if you do communications for you know the city of fife or whatever and i think that's why you see a lot of journalists uh... leaving and you've already always kind of see. i mean a lot of times it's it's kind of been later in career journalists will move to to something where they can get a little bit more security maybe locking a pension or something like that but you know no i mean well yes you can make a living i make a living i'm yeah. here mike as i said my kids have shoes um... i think folks on our staff uh... they make a living as well i mean i think this economy is hard i think uh... They deserve to be probably paid more than they do, but people make a living. But, you know, to answer your question, um, you have to want it. And I also, as as difficult as things are right now, I have supreme faith in the importance of journalism and in particularly local journalism. And I believe that people recognize that. I'm scared that it will take further disruptions before... Um, That full recognition happens and and, and a model that is sustainable and works really, really comes to fruition. But I don't I don't think journalism
0: is going to go away. That was a nice segue into my next question is when you're looking at advertiser supported newspapers as opposed to blogs with subscribers um, or print style blogs um, with subscribers or um, benefactors. you know, specialized uh, funds that, that benefit them, but advertiser supported. What is the, is there a pathway forward for traditional newspapers um, or does it, what do you think the model looks like going forward? And I know if you had the answer to that, you wouldn't be sitting here and doing Northwest now, <laughs> but point being, what are your thoughts
1: about that? Right, I mean, I think it is complicated, but I, I, I'm not entirely sure that it is as complicated as, as as we make it out to me. I mean, just to kind of lay the groundwork there, you know, I take it as second nature because this, this is my, 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 my industry, my business. But, I mean, essentially what has happened is that advertisement revenue you, you talked about has, has dried up. You know, there's the internet now. We don't, there's no more classifieds. There's no more reason really to run big Sunday spreads for the auto, you know. And so that revenue stream is, what's left of it is disappearing. And so the pivot you're making is to um, actually s- sustain a newsroom by subscriptions. And, and, and I realize that's difficult for people to understand, but, you know, how it used to be, that's subscriptions just kind of paid for the price of of, of delivery like it right. you know all the money was in again the classifieds the big advertisements that's how we had the huge building and the and the big staff were those sorts of things and so you're seeing that pivot but again to go back to my my previous point at the end of the day i believe uh, a, a critical mass of people in this community and other communities do realize the value of, 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 of local journalism. They might not fully realize it until it starts to go away or, or in some you know dire cases goes away altogether. But I do think there's a case to make there. And I think for us now it involves showing people that we're offering coverage, insight, perspective, voices that has value and that they're not going to find anywhere else. I'm saying in a place that Seattle Times isn't. Right. I mean, we're the only ones, you know, and I'm not knocking anyone else, no, who no. Does, but I mean, we are yeah. the only ones who, who cover this stuff with the breadth that we do. Uh, you know, K&KX does some good work there. I'm not trying to take any way, but, but we're here. Yeah. And so
0: you don't get to take that for granted. You still have to prove it to people. And I think that's what we're trying to do. Here's one for you. And you've gestured at this a little bit, but I want to hit you on it specifically. Does journalism still make a difference? Can it affect change still? Absolutely.
1: Without a doubt, uh, big and small. Uh, I mean, you see, you see, state laws and state regulations changed, uh, but based on coverage and 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 things that are brought to light and you see small things i wrote a uh, large package over the summer about you know the rise in vehicular homelessness and in particularly rv homelessness and it was you know based um the, the driver on that story the 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 lead kind of uh voice in that was a was a longtime hilltop resident who was living in his rv and had, had it towed and long story short the tow company stored it somewhere where it shouldn't have been stowed and it got vandalized and trashed and you know in his mind everything uh that he had got stolen and you know they weren't going to reimburse him and lo and behold he got compensated for that now you know it's it's more difficult there are more there are more avenues there are more places for people to find their information but yeah um there's also with the digital landscape more people than ever reading your work if you can figure out a way to um to present it um, and,
0: and, and reach people, and that's the trick. There's a cloud factor too, I would say, though. Um, Thirty years ago, if the columnist from the News Tribune, if uh, Matt were to, you'd answer that phone, um, and if a state lawmaker got a call from you, they knew they'd dang well better answer it and better try to disclose the records or get things figured out. Now, you know, they may or they may not because the media is so fragmented, you know, it could be a blogger, it could be Matt from the News yeah. Tribune, it could be anybody. Has, has that generally helped or hurt the enterprise, do you think?
1: I mean, I think it makes it more difficult. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still transparency. And if a lawmaker doesn't respond, doesn't return your phone call, you put that in the story. And I think readers are, are, are smart enough to, 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 to recognize a dodge when they see one. You know, I, I don't run into it a lot, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I have a pretty good uh, rapport with with local leaders on on every side of the aisle. I think that comes to do, you know, that has a lot to do with just carrying yourself professionally and treating people fairly, even when you're expressing, you know, differing opinions. But you know, these days you do run into it, particularly around election time. You get, um, you know. Uh, the, the whole fake news thing you know yeah. people will be like i'm not talking to you because the the media is biased and and that's just their stance yeah. and
0: yeah or we don't have to do a editorial board because we were on twitter the other day i mean it, 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 like there's some kind of an equivalency there yeah uh, i mean
1: i will say that we don't run into that as often as you might suspect it is out there it is an additional challenge um but um it's it's at least locally, it's not as bad as it could
0: be. Talking about some local issues now, and of course the big one, Manny Ellis. Um, what are your thoughts about the long-term ramifications of the case itself, the outcome of the case? Um, how, how do you how do you see it? I know you've done some writing on it, but what is that case going to mean to us? Maybe a year from now, five years from now, what does it mean to Tacoma?
1: Yeah, um, it's interesting you ask. That because we're in the process of uh, putting the final touches on the uh, editorial board's two thousand twenty-four civic agenda, and that's one of the things we're, we're focusing on. And um, you know, that question, like you know, uh, some of the others you asked, I, 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 it's difficult for me to answer it um, uh, with definiteness. I think what has been clear in that process of, of working on the civic agenda, and you know, we've 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 talked to folks on on every side of it, and. Um, the thing that gets me gives me hope is and i think sometimes what gets lost is 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 no matter what side quote unquote side you're on around law enforcement reform and and you know whether police acted appropriately or didn't i believe in the broader context there is a lot of common ground around what people want and demand out of the police. I, I think there's more common ground than than than, than we sometimes give it credit for. Uh, at the same time, it's incredibly clear that the divisions are very real. Um, they're very ingrained. They come, for some, they come from some legitimate reasons, uh, and I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's it's going to be an easy path moving forward. I mean, we can talk a lot about you know how do we come together and, and move forward and you know, uh, get together and talk and understand our, each other. And I think that's a huge part of it. Um, but I mean, I also think it's gonna come down to compromise and it's gonna come down to actual uh, accountability, actual changes. I think it's gonna come down to um, slow, um, challenging changes in police and police culture. Um, and that's gonna take time. Um, and I think the, I think the repercussions of not just the Manny Ellis case and his death, but, but the, the history that preceded that in, in, in Tacoma, you know, Tacoma and everywhere else, I mean, that's not going away anytime soon. And we, the only thing we can do is face it head on, head on and listen to people and, and,
0: and not dig in. What do you think about governance in Tacoma? Some folks criticize it as being too parochial. You know, the same people getting in the same room, having the same piece of chicken. <laughs> you're in, you're out. Um, do you think we have it right in Tacoma? Do you think there's, or, or not? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot. Uh, I think there's some substance to that critique. I think I've offered it in various shades over the years. Uh, at, you know, at the same time, looking at our elected leaders, uh, you know, what I see is is, again, People who are passionate about Tacoma and are dedicated to to, to, serve, to serving their community and and taking the time that it that it takes to to do that effectively, but you know, on a system level, Tacoma has a. What's technically considered a part-time city council, and right. so you uh,
0: have a city manager that nobody knows.
1: Right, um, and so uh, two, twofold to that, I think a lot of people um, either blame or credit the city council um, too much and don't realize it, the the, uh, the sway that the city manager and just city staff has over over what's actually happening and how policy is enacted and enforced. But the other side of that is that. Um, because it is a part-time position, and because the pay is commensurate with a with a part-time position, it really limits the, the 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 folks who could even consider running. I mean, you have to be willing to take on what is essentially a full-time job and then some yeah. um, for what the city considers part-time pay, and then, you know not only that, but deal with the public and their frustrations and, 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 and all things. And I mean, that's a big ask. And so, yeah, at the end of the day, I think that's why you see Tacoma politics often involving and, and elsewhere too, often involving the same groups, the same names and the same people. And, uh, you know, I think if anything we can do to, to diversify that, to, 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 to expand, the, the access to, to not only folks for running, but folks to participate uh, is a benefit.
0: At the time where that we're recording this, you're right in the middle of rolling out the uh, Civic Agenda uh slash articles, which are lengthy, um, a lot of words, um, very deep. I'm not saying... They're not a good read. Just, yeah, it sounds just like an editor. Tom. Just long yeah. <laughs> and um, good stuff. And youth and youth violence um, at this point are a couple of the big um, bullet points that uh, the paper has identified as being crucial going forward. You know, to, on one hand, I read about um, horse riding horseback programs. And on the other hand, I'm reading about violent crimes and the murder rate, trying to put those two things together. You guys attempt to do it um, in that column. And I'm left. Um, after reading it, with just my God, what are we going to do? <laughs> I'm, I'm still in the same place. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, w- that's what we do,
1: Tom. Inspire, uh, inspire conversation. Um, well, t- to back up, the, the the first installment of the uh, civic agenda did deal with uh, youth engagement and, 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 in part, youth violence and kind of the challenges that young people face. I mean, mm-hmm. I think. Um, a lot of times, uh, adults kind of wring their hands over, oh, my God, what's going on with the kids? And, you know, particularly now, I mean, if you look at this generation, having grown up uh, with the internet, with social media, I mean, th- their experience is unlike anything, uh, th- any previous gener- generation experience. And, and you could say that about every generation, but I think it's particularly uh, distinct.
0: Yeah. Uh, social th- media has uh, been a-
1: Well, yeah, not just social media, but- the, the, the rat. <laughs> The rapid spread of information—I mean, you know, content—I mean, it just—it's a—it's a a game changer. And so, what we wanted to do was we wanted to listen um, to instead of being more adults telling. Telling our our views, telling people what they should do, we get to off listen- my lawn. Yeah, we wanted to listen to the kids. <laughs> so we went over and we met with a, a group of students involved in the uh, Hilltop Artists Program at, at Hilltop Heritage Middle School. Uh, it was a it was a Monday evening. We 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 chatted for about an hour and a half. And you know, for all the reasons, Tom, that you mentioned that it feels uh, that it can feel hopeless. Talking to um, those kids gave me a lot of hope. Um, I think. They see a lot of the same problems that we see, but they have perspectives on it that we could benefit from hearing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Matt, great conversation. I know a lot of easy questions. You know, the future of journalism and how the print model is gonna right. survive. And Why how, I write so many right. words. and How, how we solve yeah. crime and yeah. so easy stuff. <laughs> Thank you, Tom, it's always a pleasure. I appreciate you coming to Northwest yeah. now, thanks. A columnist is not supposed to please all of the people all of the time, and Matt Driscoll certainly does not. The bottom line, that's part of what a columnist is supposed to do, to challenge your thinking, to either give you reason to stand firm on what you believe, or, crazy as it sounds, to maybe get you to rethink a little and see things from another perspective. My thanks to Matt for coming to Northwest Now.